we are doing chapter 23 sai satcharita leela of the guru and his devotees now obeisance to shri ganesh to shri saraswati to sita to shri guru maharaj to the family deity to sita ramachandram my most humble obeisance i bow in reverence to the most venerable guru shri sainath this jivatma is in fact beyond the trigunas but being bewitched by maya he forgets his true divine nature of truth consciousness and bliss and identifies himself with the body then with the ego of his body he begins to believe that i am the doer i am the enjoyer and is vexed by a series of calamities which he does not know how to escape a loving devotion at the guru's feet is the only way to overcome these obstacles this most wonderful sai who is himself shri rang that is shri krishna draws his devotees into his joyous sport we may regard him as an avatar because he has all those characteristics as for himself he was always he always said i am a slave in allah's service he used to always say allah malik whenever he was whenever he was asked something he will always say allah malik although an avatar himself he followed the conventional code of conduct completely and advocated a scrupulous adherence to the rules laid down by the varnas and the ashramas he never competed with anyone in any way nor did he encourage others to do so such humility alone became one who saw the all pervasive god in this whole creation he never scorned anyone nor did he consider anyone contemptible for he saw in all creatures the presence of narayana the cloud of consciousness he never claimed i am god but i am his poor slave a yade hak constantly chanting allah malik yade hak is uh you know in uh, in sufism there is a particular sage who used to call himself as uh, he is very famous because he got cut up into millions of pieces by the king so he used to say anal hak anal hak means i am allah i am god you know the i which was was uh something that he believed in that everybody has god in them and he used to always say anal haq so the king wanted to show him that you cannot call yourself allah so he kept him in the jail and thrashed him and did so many things till the person kept on saying is the first sufi saint by the way kept on saying the same thing again and again finally in the end the king said okay if i cut up your body what will happen so he says i will still be allah that means i will still be anal hak nothing will change so what the king did was they cut him up into pieces small small pieces were done of that particular person and from every piece they could hear the sound saying anal hak anal hak anal hak and the king had to bow down to that and they made a very beautiful mazar of his so that is a story of anal hak or yade hak is i am the servant of god that is what he means so sai baba never said anal hak because that is uh, you are you are saying something wrong so he always used to say lord is there and i am here so we are i am separate than the lord so i am just his servant of any saint the criteria to understand the spiritual authority are not his caste his food habits his conduct or it is something that lies beyond all these considerations it is by god's grace that these benevolent saints incarnate on this earth to uplift the dull-witted creatures only if there is an accumulated merit from previous birth 
will there arise a fondness to listen to the stories of saints, which brings peace and happiness to the mind. Once a great student of yoga arrived at the mosque bringing Chandurkar with him. He had studied the Yoga Shastra of the great sage Patanjali very thoroughly. And if his experiences were considered, they were very strange, and try as he may, he could not enter the state of Samadhi even for a moment. If Sai Maharaj, this greatest devote, greatest of the yogis, will bestow grace on me, my doubt will be resolved, and I will be able to enter the Samadhi most certainly. With this purpose in mind, he came for Sai's darshan only to find him sitting eating bhakri with an onion. When he saw Baba holding a piece of stale bread and a dry onion to his mouth, a serious doubt assailed his mind as to how such a person could ever remove his doubts. Even as this doubt arose in his mind, Sai Maharaj knew it very with intuitive knowledge and said, Nana, only they should eat an onion who can digest it. He who has the power to digest it should eat the onion without a fear in the world. Hearing this, the yogi felt quite abashed in his mind and surrendered to Baba with a pure heart. Later on, the student of yoga came and sat near Baba with an unblemished mind. As Baba came to sit on his usual seat, cautiously he then asked his doubt, which was answered satisfactorily by Baba. Then he went back happily, having received Udi and blessing from Baba. This reminds me of a very beautiful story. Uh, what happened was, quite well back in time, I had gone to this place uh, which is called Ganeshpuri or Vajreshwari. Now, when I had gone to Vajreshwari, I visited the, the Samadhi Mandir of Nityanand Maharaj. Now, Nityanand Maharaj is a very famous saint over there. His disciple was Muktanand and their disciple is Chid, Chidvilas Nanda. She is the guru of uh, the one who wrote that eat, tray, love, you know, that person. So anyway, coming back to Nityanand Maharaj, what happened was, I went to his Samadhi Mandir. It was late in the afternoon and I stood near the Samadhi and I said, you need to come and talk to me. <laughs> and and I went and I sat in front over there. A person comes and sits next to me and for the next half an hour, he just spoke all sorts of beautiful things. <laughs> Finally, I asked him, can I offer you some money? So he says, no, I don't need any money from you. And thereafter he says, now you go. So <laughs> I left from there. I went to that entire ashram over there and I started walking. I was very hungry. I did not, I had not eaten anything. So it was already around 3.30 by that time because it was quite some time by the time I got out of that place. So at 3.30, there were no hotels open where I could get to eat. So what happened was there was this place uh, where they serve food okay so i want i went to that place and i saw that that place closes at 2 30 so there was nobody there so i was just about to go uh, a person calls me from inside and asks me he says uh, would you like to eat some food i said yes of course and i sat there inside and he made bhakri okay bhakri is that uh, rice flour thing uh, chapati type and uh, he so lovingly offered it to me. And then I went to pay him because see, it was written that you have to pay some 25 or 50 rupees. I don't recollect. He's telling me it's an honor to give you food at this hour. So I don't want to take any money from you. And that was an amazing experience. And then I went to the other ashram over there, which uh, unfortunately was closed. 
So, this ashram belongs to Muktananda Swami. Which anyway, I had just gone because my cousin was over there, so I couldn't meet them. But Nityanand Maharaj is a very, very great saint whom if you ever go to Ganeshpuri or what we call as Vajrayeshwari, you should visit. It's a hot spring place. So when that Bhakri thing came over here, I was reminded of that story. How these saints, they behave with you, you know. They're so benevolent and nice. Uh, one of the stories which I had told you all about Nityanan Maharaj was the way in which the stone got lifted. You see, there was one very big stone in front of this Krishna Mandir over there. And that stone was so huge that uh, they, it was blocking the entrance of this Krishna Mandir and there is one another Mandir. So Baba said to them, Nityanan Maharaj said to them, uh, see, the stone needs to be removed from here. So about uh, 25 to 30 people tried to move the stone with, you know, all those long bars and stuff like that. But the stone was so much deep inside the earth, it couldn't move an inch also. Finally, they all came to Nityanand Maharaj and said, you know, Maharaj, it cannot be lifted. I'm very sorry. We are all very sorry. So Nityanand Maharaj called three, three people from there. You come here. You go. And you go and lift that stone. And you will be amazed to know that those people, those three people, lifted it like a thermocol block. You know, thermocol, how light it is. They just went and put their feet, their hands to the stone and it was lifted like this and it was kept at the side. So again, if you ever go to this place, uh, you can see that huge stone. It's a massive stone. It's such a huge stone. I think uh, it would be, it is maybe 10 by 10 feet, you know. It's a massive, massive stone. So how did these three people lift it? Whereas all the 20, 30 people couldn't even budge an inch. And these three people, this is called faith. The faith that you have in your Guru. That is Nityanand Maharaj. He was such a great sage that they could lift him. That they could lift the stone and keep it aside. I was fortunate enough to see him when I was very small. So anyway, so coming back to this story once again. There are many such stories which they heard when heard with faith will remove the physical and men mental obstacles like sorrow, temptations, etc. However small the pool of water and however offensive its stench, a pig will undoubtedly look upon it as a source of greatest pleasure. I think the pig example is becoming too much, isn't it? It's getting repeated in uh, literally everything. So here, but you see, you cannot change the nature of the pig. Even if you put it in uh, in between two breads, <laughs> it will still stink. I mean, those who have, uh, you know, those who have smelled the, uh, what do you call that? Hot dogs or what do you call that? Uh, you know, when they fry it out there in the open, the amount of stink that it gives, you cannot even imagine. So here he's talking about this. The source of greatest pleasure for the pig is that mud over there. There is one similarity between a Jeevatma and a parrot. They are both imprisoned and one is in a body and other in a cage. Though he has lost his freedom, the parrot refers his, prefers his confinement. Like a well frog, not knowing the pleasures of freedom, the parrot too finds all his happiness in that cage. A jivatma full of desires is like that. Oh, how wonderful is my cage and how enjoyable my little flutterings to and from its golden rod. Even if I suspend myself from it head downwards, no fear of losing my foothold. But once outside the cage, I will lose all this pleasure. No more the pomegranate pips, no more the delicious chilies. Truly, it will be forfeiting all one's pleasure as one's own hand. 
and yet as the opportune time comes the parrot experiences the wonderful moment which with an affectionate pat on his back opens his eyes with the collyrium of knowledge to the joy of freedom the pat awakens the inherent consciousness of freedom and the bird escapes his eyes are now fully open and flapping his wings joyfully he flies freely in the sky who can then restrain him the whole wide world stands beckoning him he can now feast to his heart's content in the orchard of pomegranates and guavas the vast expanse of the sky is now open before him to fly about in his new found freedom which he enjoys to the uttermost such is also the state of this jeevatma when he enjoys god's grace and finds a guru he experiences not only the release from bondage but also the great joy of freedom and now oh faithful listeners will you all listen for a moment with full attention to the fascinating tale of pure love see the mention over here of a pat on the back uh, normally the gurus those are the enlightened ones what do they do see one of the methods of raising the person from the mundane level from the mundane earthly level which is called as a jeevatma to the level of a spiritual being is also they these are they use techniques and methodologies of raising that person it also involves a pat a pat means a, a they they hit very lightly in different parts of the body depending on the person's eligibility criteria okay eligibility criteria is because depending on which domain they are coming from where they are so on and so forth so what they do is the sages do is they pat them on a particular portion of the body when that is done it is like a tap given to the kundalini which is the power source inside the person it starts rising okay it starts rising and it starts rising to a level where sometimes you will find that there is a very funny pain funny pain because it you cannot even understand whether it's a pain or whether it's pleasure you really are no position to understand it's like as if somebody is taking a drill machine and drilling it behind your back or in some part of your body or as if it's one ant is crawling going round and round imagine there is a tiny ant and it's going round and round in one place alone how does it feel it will feel very funny and this is what happens and that is the rise of the kundalini it rises and then the spiritual growth also happens so the pat on the back or the pat on a different part of a body wherever the sage is doing he does it for the purpose sometimes he would pat the head he gives a, a knock on the head sometimes he gives a maybe he gives a slap you know the slap also may seem in okay oh he's hitting me but that slap itself releases the kundalini from the trap that it is now this kundalini is trapped in a place which is called the muladhara muladhara is the lowest chakra and uh, that is where it is normally trapped so let us uh, continue with the story so in case of that person who was a yoga uh, yoga expert you see we were doing it in the previous page baba gave him a release from that and was able to reach the state of samadhi by the way the yoga vashishta i was sorry i am very sorry uh, the yoga as taught by patanjali this particular yoga releases a lot of energies in the body and the person if he is a very very great exponent of that is able to have a lot of things going on for him including the eight different kinds of 
energies that are released in him. Okay, so those people are able to perform a lot of actions which a normal human being can never perform. Those are called Ashta Siddhis. The Siddhis get released and they can become slave to the Siddhis also if they are not able to control them properly. In the last chapter, you saw the marvel of how Baba sent Mirikar on his journey to Chitrali, telling Shama to accompany him. Knowing the future, Sai gave a timely warning to Mirikar, alerting him about the danger from the long Baba or the snake. How he not only warned him but also provided the means of overcoming a calamity. In fact, he forced them in him, uh, them on them on him, despite his refusal, and thus protected Mirikar from danger. Quick and eager as Baba always was to ensure the welfare of his devotees, he averted the calamity about to befall Baba Sahib Mirikar, giving him thus a strange experience. But stranger still was the experience of Shama. When he was suddenly bitten by a snake and was in a grave danger for his life, Baba saved him. That too in yet another of the Baba's Leelas. Let me narrate it first to the listener. A snake had actually bitten Shama, but just see what remedy Baba used for it. It was about 7 o'clock when the snake suddenly bit the little finger of his hand, the poison causing intense burning in the part of the hand. The pain was so unbearable that life itself seemed to have reached its end. Madhara's mind was clouded with the worry and fear. His whole body turned red, Friends and relatives gathered around, urging him to come to the Vithoba temple. Since his life was in such grave danger, Nimonkar then came forward and said, Take Udi first, then go. Madhavara rushed to the mosque, but lo, what did Baba do? Baba's ways are truly astonishing. For as his eyes met Shama's, he began abusing and cursing and would not allow him to come up the steps. Do not climb up. Oh, Bhaturdhya. Bhaturdhya means uh, Brahmin, by the way. The term Bhaturdhya is a, is a contemptuous way of talking to a Brahmin. A Bhatta, like that, you know. <laughs> we call them Bhats. So, oh, Bhaturdhya. If you dare climb up, just beware. Get out at once. Climb down and be gone. He roared. It was astonishing to see Baba so angry. Most unexpectedly, he began breathing fire and fury. Madhura was stunned. He wondered why Baba was uttering such harsh verses, words. On seeing all this, Madhavara panicked within. He could think of nothing and sat down dazed and dejected. When Baba himself thus became angry, Madhavara's heart sank. He felt that when Baba had rejected him, all hope of a cure was lost. And who would not be frightened, seeing him provoked to such a terrible wrath, listening to the showers of abuse and curses, the whole situation appeared terrifying. This mosque is as my maternal home and I, Sai's own child. This being so, why is the mother so exceedingly angry with her child today? To whom but the mother should be complained, com should the complaint be taken to when the snake has bitten and when she herself kicks him away, will not the child make a pitiful face? As a child to the mother, so was Madhara to Baba. When such has been the relationship day and night, why such a sorry state only today? When the child is kicked away by the mother herself, who will then protect him? At that moment, Madhavara had given up all hope of survival. After a while, when Baba had calmed down, Madhavara took up courage, went up to him and sat down. Baba then said, Do not lose courage and have no worry whatsoever in your mind. All will be well. Give me worrying. Give up worrying. The fakir is compassionate and will protect you. Go home and sit down. Do not go out of the house. Be brave and do not worry. Keep trust in me. Then when he had hardly reached home, Baba sent Tatya Kote to 
inquire about after him and with a message tell him not to sleep he should keep walking about in the house itself he may eat whatever he wants but let him careful only of this one thing now there is always a method in the way uh, the sages talk sometimes they will take a stick and they will try to beat you sometimes they are going to talk to you in a very very you know mean or uh, like how he called batordia so or in a very very sarcastic manner actually you have to understand that they are not speaking to you okay the individual they are speaking either to the one inside of you who is making this happen which is basically the mind so it is the mind which is getting the beating and not the individual you because it's the mind which needs it all right so many a times this kind of a talk is there we always believe that oh he is talking to me he is he is insulting me he is talking like this it's a very bad way of talking but it's never like that that night baba also said to kaka saheb dikshit that he should feel drowsy that night but should not be allowed to sleep and thus taking his precaution his pain and suffering passed away true a little burning sensation still lingered due to the poison in that little finger later even that disappeared oh how the terrible moment was overcome such indeed is the compassion of this sai whose heart is stirred by kindness and love for the devotee do not climb up o batudia was the verbal chastisement from baba and was it aimed at madhavrao no indeed the piercing words were not aimed at madhavrao at all it was a sharp command to the poison of the snake that had bitten if you dare climb up just beware was the stern command from the sai's mouth which at once arrested on the spot the onward flow of the poison and as if there was not enough sai's brief mantra get out at once climb down and be gone made the poison come down immediately without using any other means like the conventional mantrik or panchakshari this sai responsible of the devotee's cause averted the calamities in various ways he did not chant any mantra nor did he empower rice and water with charms nor yet did he sprinkle any water how then did the poison become ineffective what is this not a, what is this not a miracle merely by the words from a saint's mouth madhavrao had relieved all his agonizing pain truly there is no limit to sai's grace and now listen listen my listeners listen attentively to the detailed narration of the interesting marvelous tale that was mentioned in the last chapter this story is more wonderful than the one narrated in the last chapter it will now be narrated to the listeners how sai used to show his leela when there is a fascinating tale when the when these fascinating tales are listened to the guru's words will be deeply impressed on the minds and the feeling of being a doer of good and bad deed or that of being a non doer will all vanish the faith in the guru will grow stronger the easiest of all easy ways is to remember sai in your heart this is the only refuge and the only way to destroy maya great is the fear of this worldly life or turbulence that arises out of maya but by listening to these stories maya will be shattered and the highest happiness attained once an epidemic of cholera broke out in shirdi the villagers were terrified at heart and decided unanimously on having drums beaten on the public crier to halt all communication with the outsiders so great was this fear of cholera that the villagers had taken a dread for the disease that they would have nothing to do with any outsider while the epidemic lasted all trade and communications came to the standstill so long as this epidemic of cholera continued in the village no one was allowed to kill a goat or allow a cart from outside to cross the village boundary everyone was expected to follow the rules strictly baba however did not approve of this blind faith of the villagers in god 
In this opinion, these false notions only went to prove the ignorance of the villagers. So that while on the one hand, the villagers laid down the rules and regulations, Baba on the other hand would set them at naught. Listen carefully as to how he did it. The villagers sincerely obeyed the resolution of the Gram Panchayat. For if anyone violated the rule even a little, he would be released only on paying a fine. Baba had no fear of the fine. He was forever fearless. The mind, having ceased to exist in devotion to God, he was always invincible in the most adverse of circumstances. Once a cart filled with firewood from another village crossed the village boundary, creating a difficult situation. Differences and disagreements arose between the people. This reminds me of another story where... Uh, you know, now this is a cholera epidemic. Oh, okay, in uh, in the Bible, uh, there is a particular story. I don't know. Uh, those who have seen the movie called The Robe also, they will also be able to tell you. Uh, there is a place where all the leprosy patients are kept in one place. Okay, in ancient times, this is the this this was a. Uh, this was a very very important thing that they used to do because it was a disease which would spread to other people so in the same way what had happened was um, Parshuram's mother now she had gone to this colony where the patients were there there was a very beautiful king over there and she was taking care of these all these people and what she was doing was she would tend to their diseases quite nicely unfortunately her husband had doubts so he tells his son i want you to go and cut off her head so this is a story which is there in the puranas which you should know now these kind of places are there so again what they used to do is they used to cordon off that place nobody was allowed inside that area so where earlier again uh, there used to be plagues plagues means uh, the rat used to come and bite and uh, the entire village the plague would spread so what they would do is they would close the village borders so whenever there is an epidemic the village borders are closed some kind of core connection baba had which baba you are talking about nityananda swami nityananda swami actually came from uh, north karnataka he came from North Karnataka, that is why, uh, and also South, I think, I don't know that much. Uh, that is why all these Shettis and all these, uh, <laughs> like that, is it? I didn't know that. <laughs> okay, so, anyway, we will continue. The villagers were fully aware that the firewood was scarce in the village, but it was equally improper to violate the rule. It made them feel quite dejected. So, they turned upon the poor cartman and tried to send the cart back. News reached Baba at once he arrived on the spot. He went and stood before the cart, seeing which the cartman's courage rose high. The resistance of the villagers broke down and the cart pushed its way, crossing the village boundary. Baba then made him drive the cart from straight from the door of the Sabha Mandap and empty it inside. Not a word passed out of the mouth of anyone. Be it summer, winter, autumn or spring or monsoon, Baba kept the dhuni burning in the moss 24 hours. Strange indeed was Baba's resolve, like the Agnihotra of the Agnihotris. Baba's sacred dhuni was burning day and night. Only from this dhuni would, uh, would he buy bundles of faggots, piling them up in a heap against the wall of the mandap. Taking advantage of the weekly market day, Baba would carefully store up the firewood, but even on that, the neighbors would cast their greedy eyes. Rare indeed is he who is slow to see his own advantage. Baba, there is not a faggot from the hearth 
and without firewood the home fires will not burn today so would they make false pretenses thus even they would get a share of the wood selfish people are by their very nature wicked the sabha mandap had no door which gave them the opportunity needy and deceitful both benefited equally baba was exceedingly generous how could this greatness be described outwardly he looked stern but he was very soft and tender with him unfathomable is his greatness only when speech gave up its conceit and bows at the feet in humility can it have the power to describe keeping in mind all the time that god almighty fills the whole universe and still remains he had no enmity towards anyone god pervades his entire creation the ten directions in front and behind hence malignant attitude towards anyone made him very sad although absolutely detached himself he would himself behave like a householder for instructing his followers and guiding them on the path of righteousness and oh what humility this great mahatma had listening to his description you will be simply amazed moreover it will bring out the love for the devotee and the fulfillment of the purpose of his incarnation incomparable was his boundless compassion and he was always fond of taking talking to taking to himself the smaller or lowlier place crores of stories can be related to bear this out never did he undertake fast nor did he practice the arduous hatha yoga practices he had no hankering above after food to pamper his palate but always took food in moderation going to a few fixed household he would ask for bhakri either dry or dressed these and these arms alone were his usual madukari for he never indulged his palate never having indulged a palate he had no hankering for sweet meats whether he received arms or not and of however different in different quality they might be he was content with what he got in this manner he sustained life and protected the body only because it's the one means of obtaining knowledge and salvation but he never identified himself with it why would he who was adorned by the inner peace need necklaces round his neck nor did he near to need to smear the body and sandalwood paste and odi sri sai was himself the perfect brahma this story in which the one feeling of loving devotion predominates is very sacred and instructive those who listen to it with full attention will find their awareness of the whole worldly life slowly disappearing i uh, you know when uh, when somebody is getting burnt uh, they say that you should also get uh, sandalwood i don't know if you real if you know about it they ask you to get sandalwood so that it get burnt in ancient time people would cut an entire sandalwood tree so that they could burn their people you know today it is very difficult even to find a stick <laughs> so and here baba though during his time sandalwood was available all kinds of things were available everything was cheap no doubt about it but he would never take anything which was costly he just took what was what came to him naturally so even if it was a bhakri we say satkor means one quarter quarter satkor satkor means fourth part of it if you take a round and make a fourth part of it that is called a quarter so he even if somebody offered him just a quarter of a bhakri bhakri is this uh, you know chapati type of a thing so he would take it and he would be very happy and take it with him so he never had any pretenses but where he was supposed to behave like a householder he behaved like a householder which was there in the previous lines also and when it was required he behaved like a complete ascetic and where it was required he behaved completely like a madman also like you will find him running with the stick around or he would shout or he would be very kind and so you could not have described him in any which way so and as faith of the listeners strengthens size restreases will open up to them even more but this gain is not for the wicked and the vexatious 
a loving trusting devotee alone will enjoy it now if the listeners listen with concentration to the story that follows the heart will be overcome with love and the eyes will shed tears of joy most ingenious were baba's ways indeed how wonderful were his plans and their objectives his staunch devotees knew from the repeated experience the essence of all this listening to sai stories is like drinking sweet nectar concentrate your mind on the guru with reverence and listen to the story that follows this tale is a unique feast which is not to be savored in a hurry for each and every dish needs to be tasted with relish to enjoy its novelty to the heart's content but now enough of the tale of that card far more strange than that is the story of the he goat which will amaze the listeners and fill the guru devotees with joy once a most remarkable incident took place in shirdi somebody bought a he goat who was on the verge of death and had grown extremely feeble people at once gathered around to see him mother sai always looked after him who had no master no protector all the afflicted the suffering the rejected found refuge in the mosque bade baba was there near at hand at that time so baba said to him offer him in sacrifice kill him with just one stroke great was the importance that this bade baba enjoyed his place was always at baba's right hand side baba would smoke a chilam only after bade baba had first smoked it and so far as sai baba was concerned not a leaf would flutter without bade baba unless bade baba had eaten baba would not take his food once it so happened that on, on the festive occasion of diwali when all the sweets etc were served on the plates and the dinners had diners had taken their respective places bade baba just walked away in a half offended unless bade baba was present sai baba would not touch the food and then sai baba himself did not touch it how would others do and so everybody sat there waiting they searched for bade baba and brought him back only when he had joined them did baba eat and now leaving the present narrative aside i am tempted to give some information to the listeners about this digression bade baba was baba's guest and at meal time he would be sitting in the sabha mandap below straining his ears for baba to call him two rows of diners would sit on the either side and baba seated in the middle bade baba's place was reserved on baba's left hand side when all the food offerings were served on the plates and the plates were placed in two rows as the meal time approached and the diners took their respective places baba himself called out very respectfully in a loud voice and as soon as he had called out bade mia baba bade baba would quickly come up the steps making obeisances what respect did he deserve who turned away from the food in a huff and for no reason at all why so much of honor to him who in thus insulted food but even this was just a way of instructing people by first practicing it himself he thus demonstrated how improper it was to take food without calling your guests to participate this rule for the householders laid down by the shastras to avert further calamities was never violated by baba he himself followed it scrupulously and thus honoring the guest all the desires are fulfilled and so doing all the evil is warded off but if it is neglected harm will sure to follow hence the venerable always pay offer puja to their guest when the guest remains without food it portends the loss of animal sons wealth stock or food grains etc thus a guest remaining on an empty stomach is an invitation to trouble every day sai baba used to give rupees 50 to bade baba by means of dakshana and would himself walk a hundred steps with him to see him off and this was bade baba from whose lips quickly came out the excuse when he was first asked to kill the he goat but how to kill him without any reason madhara was present there too so baba commanded him shama at, la- at least you go and get a knife to kill the goat go quickly a fearless devotee that madhara was he went to the radha krishna bai and bought a knife which he had placed before baba although bringing the knife was for madhara a very painful effort baba would not like to have see come back without it 
Meanwhile, news reached Radha Krishna eye, Radha Krishna's uh, ear, and moved by compassion, she at once called back for the knife. Once again, Madhavrao set out to fetch another knife, but then he stayed away this time, sitting in the vada, lest the killing took place in at his hands. To test Kaka's mind, Baba then commanded him, "Go, you get a knife to cut the goat. Do relieve him of his suffering and pain." Fully well did Baba knew that Kaka was a pure. Tested gold, but people would not be satisfied unless he had tested in the burning furnace. Without applying the test of rubbing it against the steel file or making a hole to find out whether the gold was pure or alloyed, one of the discerning or inquiring minds will not trust anybody's word. Even as a diamond has to bear the blows of the hammer before it acquires its own luster, for not only paying the price of suffering the hammering blows, shall be the glory of the Godhead be easily attained. True, Kaka was precious as a talisman round the neck. But how were the others to be convinced? Even a diamond is tied with the thread and tested in the fire by connoisseurs of gems to determine its worth. Never will the resolve be fulfilled of one who doubts the word of a saint. They will at best be only be unsubstantial, fruitless babble of words, and will bring him no spiritual progress, even in the least degree. But he who reveres the deep, significant words of the guru will succeed in securing the worldly advantage as to his spiritual advancement. But he who finds fault and malice there. Will only ensure his fall. Ever ready to serve the Guru, he bows before only the Guru's command, leaving all consideration to propriety or impropriety on the act of the Guru's head. He is a slave to the Guru's command and has no independent judgment of his own. Always eager to obey the Guru's word, he would not consider the good or the bad of it. Mind absorbed in chanting Sai Nam, eyes fixed on the holy feet of Sai Samar, and the mind intent on meditating on Sai. The whole body is offered at the service of Sai. Even if a brief moment went to elapse between the two Guru's utterances of a command and his execution, that little delay too is unbearable to him. Most extraordinary is this acting on pure, on command of the Guru. Dikshit was pure, unalloyed essence of goodness in courage and determination. A Mahameru, whom the doubt as to how to kill the living goat did not even touch, that an innocent he goat will die, his soul will be in agony and pain. That his pure good reputation will be trained, attainted, as he will be committing a great sin thereby. Such a thought never crossed his mind at all. Disobeying the commands was to him the greatest sin, and obeying it at once and in every possible way was the greatest merit. He to whom the Guru's command was the only standard of truth was strangely excited and tremulous, as his nature, naturally tended heart was thus induced to take the goat's life. Then he went to Sathewada and bought the weapon as per Baba's command. He got himself all ready to kill the goat. He got without any faltering. Total obedience to Guru's command inspired great courage. He took the weapon and steeled his heart. Born in a Brahmin family, pure and sacred, with a vow of non-violence, observed since the day he was born. And oh, what a situation for such a one to be in! How will his hand be raised for such a deed? Undoubted, when obedience to the Guru's command is concerned, he made up his mind once and for all. And yet the heart pounded furiously within perspiration flowed profusely. He had never known a harsh word in speech, thought of action, and that he should take strike with a weapon. It was truly an occurrence of rare misfortune. Those who disregard the Guru's words are most certainly destined to lose all the merit accumulated over the past births. Absolute obedience to the Guru's command is the most precious among all ornaments. It is the one sure mark of a great good disciple. Whereas violation of the command is the greatest of all sins. Guru's command should be obeyed without a moment's delay, and he who doubts and hesitates is truly a wretched one. In fact, he is a beast without a tail in the form of a man. 
There is no need to look for an auspicious moment here, no question of good and bad, or instance or deferred action. He who obeys it wise and discerning, he who delays is unfortunate. Tucking in the end of the dhoti with one hand and gathering the weapon, he rolled up his sleeves as he approached the spot where the goat was. The villagers were quite astonished. What is this extraordinary deed? Where has the tenderness of Kaka's heart disappeared? A Muslim and a non-vegetarian like Fakir Baba, but whereas even he would not lift a weapon on the poor tormented goat, Kaka here is all ready to do it. Those who are extraordinary among men, they are hardly harder than Varjra, but softer than a flower at heart. Then clutching the knife tightly in hand, which was raised high to strike, he said, So Baba, must I strike now? Tell me just this once. The weapon that is meant for the protection of the meek and the afflicted is also to be used to is it also to be used to kill an innocent goat? But on the other hand, he was sold heart and soul to the service of the Guru, hence this little hesitation. And yet as he was trying to get the killing over as quickly as possible, suddenly his heart was moved to pity. His hand holding the knife faltered, came back and would not move forward again. Hmm, kill it now. What are you waiting for? As this final and ultimate order came, Kaka turned a half circle in a bit to strike hard. He lifted his hand holding the knife for the goat. The fatal moment had arrived, but God, his protector, rushed in at this rescue in the nick of time. Certainly, certain that Dikshit would now strike. Mother Sai thought that if he waited a moment longer, it would be disaster and said quickly, Oh, but let it be, let it be. No, no, Kaka, turn back. And how heartless you are, a Brahmin and still you want to kill? Is there no consideration in your heart? No sooner had he heard this, Kaka at once dropped the knife. Old and young all were astonished. The goat had received a gift of life and the Guru devotion had reached the culmination. Listen carefully now to what Kaka then said. As he dropped in his knife, Baba, your nectar-like words are as dharma shastra to us. We do not know any dharma other than this, and we are not ashamed or disgraced. Obedient to the Guru's word is of the very essence it is to us, the Ved Shastra. I was telling you the earlier story of Parshuram. Parshuram was instructed by his father, who was his Guru, to go and strike his mother's head off. So he brings his mother from that particular leper's colony, and there are three other brothers of his. And the father tells those three, chop off the head of your mother. And they refuse to do it. And Parshuram is then told last, you chop off her head. So he has that, you remember, he is a person, he is called Parshu. Parshu means an axe. So what he does is, he swings the axe and cuts off her head. And the father is very well pleased. And he says, you are a very good son. Now that you have fulfilled whatever that the Guru has commanded you to do. Now, I am asking you, you can, uh, you can ask for a boon. So he says, thank you to Guru. And he says, can you restore my mother back to me? And that is the boon that he asked for. And his mother is restored back by her husband and the son. So, this is what is called Guru Agya. And following it to the T is the most important thing. And that is the reason why he lifts it up and says that I will kill it. Listen carefully now to what Baba then, Kaka then said as he dropped the knife. Baba, your nectar-like words are a dharma shastra to us. We do not know any dharma other than that and we are not ashamed or disgraced. Obedience to the Guru's word is the very essence. To us, it is the Ved Shastra. In obeying the Guru's command lies the true discipleship of a disciple. This alone is our adornment, while disobedience to it in any sense is a strain or a blot. It may bring us pleasure or pain, our sights are not set on the consequence. What is our destiny will happen, we leave it all to God. As for us, we know only one thing, to remember your name all the time, to store up the divine form in the eyes and to be bound to the world by day and night. 
violence or non-violence we do not know for the Sadhguru's holy feet are our savior. We never think of questioning the Guru's command. Our duty lies in obeying it. Even when the Guru's command is clear, the disciple who questions the impropriety or propriety, the good or bad of it, and has according to me fallen from his duty. Disobedience to the Guru's command in itself is the fall from the grace of a creature. Obedience to his command is the most vital part in the confrontation of the Shastras. Confirmation of the Shastras. The mind must always be concentrated at the Guru's feet, no matter in life, then remains or departs. Guru's command is to us the only standard of truth. The final effect, the ultimate end, he all alone knows. Our peril, our gains or our peril, we know not, nor do we know our own benefits or that of others. We only know to carry out the Guru's work and to us that alone is our spiritual upliftment. Before Guru's words, rules and regulations, prohibitions and taboos are of no avail. The attention to the disciple must be focused on the duty appointed to him by the Guru. The burden of his difficulties rests on the Guru's head. We are slaves to your command and will not question what is proper and what is not. We will give our life if need be, but will obey the Guru's word. The heart that is naturally compassionate turns to stone and Brahmins are ready to do what even the Muslims do not dare. Listeners may find this hard to believe, but this is the mystery that belongs to the Sadhguru. Be a slave to the Guru's words once and you will be unraveled this mystery instantly. Once the devotee seeks refuge at the feet with uttermost faith and beseeches the protection from them onwards, the Guru takes over his burden. He need not make no effort whatsoever. Once he surrenders totally to the Guru, there remains no fear for him. For Guru alone will give him self-confidence and take him across safely. Disciples are of three types. The best, the mediocre and the inferior or low in their attitude and mind. I shall briefly explain each of these three. Knowing the Guru's wish without his having to tell, and to begin, or in, uh, begin obeying it as soon as it is understood, without waiting for the actual command, know him to be the best among the disciples. To obey to the very letter, the command which the Guru gives, and is to carry it without any delay, know him to be the mediocre among disciples. Guru goes on repeating his command and the disciple goes on deferring its execution, thus blundering at every step, know him to be the inferior or the low among the disciples. So these are three kinds of disciples that exist. One who is the highest kind, the middle kind, the middling kind. Uh, by the way, this is also explained before in another book, if you recollect. So, when the mind does not have renunciation in the highest degree and there is no discrimination between the permanent and the transient, how can such a one enjoy the Guru's grace, even if he were to spend a whole lifetime seeking it? Hence, God will fulfill his wish, whose mind is not, whose, uh, forever fixed at the Guru's feet. God, the Supreme Kinsman, will quickly make him free from all the desires and bring him lasting peace. The power of pure steadfast faith should be strong to add to which there should be a powerful insight and it should be coupled with a steady unwavering courage. Spiritual progress then will be a certainty. Controlling the breath is not needed here. The practice of pranayam, hatha yoga, samadhi and the return to normal physical consciousness from it, these for us are difficult means. When the disciple is well trained and ready, it does not take him long to receive the fruit from the Sadguru. For the Guru is always eager and ready to initiate. Only the true devotee will experience the vision of the manifest divine form. Devotion arises in the heart of those who are loving and trusting. To others it is hearsay. Baba then said to Kaka, Take this tumbler of water in your hand. I shall now do halal most certainly to ensure this onward progress to heaven. As it was, the he goat was nearing the end. Fakir Baba had a timely thought. There is a takya nearby. So he consulted Baba whether the goat should be killed at the takya. And getting his consent where the goat was moved from that spot under the pretext, he died a natural death. 
The death of that goat was inevitable and all of them knew it. But making sure of this opportunity, making use of this opportunity, Baba showed his Leela. Those who surrender to the Sadhguru become one with him. When salt goes into the sea to bathe, does it ever come back? Jivatma experienced the joy and sorrow of worldly life, while it is God who gives them this experience. But it is Sadhguru alone who gives them the moksha. He is the repository of the oneness of all souls. When the Guru is moved by compassion, he will bestow the divine vision which contains the entire creation as one at the same time. Hemad has surrendered totally to Sai, offering to the feet, Ahankar and his prayer to him and pray to him in his heart to keep him away, wakeful and free from evil. Now in the last two chapters, Sai Maharaj will offer us a feast of humor and jesting. Listen to this marvelous Leela. It may appear as entertaining humor and jesting, but it is most instructive. The faithful devotee who studies this carefully will enjoy with great happiness. We'll be to all. Here ends the 23rd chapter of Sai Samarth called the Leela of the Guru and the Devotees as inspired by the saints and the virtuous and composed by the devotee Hemartha. Okay, so we have finished this chapter. Here, most important thing that we learnt is following the commands of the Guru is very, very essential and important. If we do not, what happens is we really don't know what is in store for us because only he knows, only God knows what is there in store for us. So by following the commands, it so happens that we follow a track which has been laid out for us. So there is no such thing as deferment of our karma mm -hmm. because any which way the entire karma has been taken over by him except the prarabdha. The sanchit and the agami is completely, completely under his control. So there is no question of any karma happening. So even if he says, go and cut off somebody's head, that's the he goat's head or whichever, you need to follow it. So it has to be done the way it's being prescribed. Always remember that you are not going to fall into any trap over there because he, you will finally, you will understand that it, no sin will occur from your hands. That is the most important part. So this is what we got to remember always. So any questions?